by Pavestone, Home Advisor, Bonite and Sense. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. We hope you're enjoying this Independence Weekend. I think that this has been an amazing Fourth of July holiday because it spanned two whole weekends, Leslie, and we get to wrap it up with the money pit. If you're taking on a project to help you enjoy that outdoor space, you're in exactly the right place. Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. Coming up on today's program, speaking of outdoor projects, are you ready to build a man cave or a she shed? You know, these projects are more popular than ever, so we're going to have some pro tips to help you get it done right. And after a couple of months of heavy grilling, your gas grill might need an extreme makeover of its own. We're going to have some tips for a simple mid-season grill cleaning to step up the sizzle. Plus, building codes exist to keep your family safe, but only if you or your contractor follow them. We've got updates on how to avoid the three most commonly violated codes just ahead. But first, we want to talk to you. What is going on in the super long 4th of July weekend? Have you taken the whole week off? Are you just constantly working on your money pit and chilling out and having a great time? Well, whatever it is, we are here to lend a hand. Whether we're chilling or not, we're here for you. Give us a call. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's first? Galen Washington's on the line looking for some cooling solutions. How can we help you today? So we're um, looking at installing uh, air conditioning into our home. We're in the Seattle area, so it doesn't get hot here too much, maybe like one to one and a half months out of the year, but we really need it during that time. And so we're not sure if we really want to go the central air route um, to get a full system or if... um, like if we could, we have a gas uh, furnace, if we could get a gas one, or they've also talked about heating pumps. We just don't really know what the options are and what's going to be like the best investment in our money, but also going to be effective during those hot months. Okay. How big is your house, Kayla? Um, it's about um, 2,700 square feet. Oh, and you want the entire house cool and comfortable and done evenly? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the downstairs is already relatively cool, but not and you have a at all. And you have a forced air system right now? Uh, yes. Look, there's no easy way to do this. You're going to either get a central air conditioning system or you're not. If you had a smaller house or you had maybe just some some limited, uncomfortable areas in the house, then what we might recommend is called a mini-split ductless, which which can be used for zones in the house, in big zones, you know, like a like two-room combination kind of a thing. But I don't think you're you're not certainly not going to be able to to evenly cool the entire first floor, the entire second floor of the house with many split ductless. And frankly, you'd end up needing so many of them that it would be more more expensive than putting in a central AC system. So what we would tell you to do is to um, go ahead and install a traditional central air conditioning system to make sure that the home is sized properly, and so the HVAC contractor can do um, a heat loss calculation and figure out exactly how many BTUs you need in terms of cooling power to deliver cool temperatures on the hottest days of, of the summer. 
you also want to make sure that the system that you use is an Energy Star certified system because that's going to make a big difference in how much this is going to actually cost you to operate. I mean, the good news is, is that the system is probably going to last twice as long as any other system in another part of the country because you're going to use it half as much. But there's no inexpensive way to do this, even though you're only using it for uh, two months of the year. You're still going to have to put in a central system with all the uh, you know, all the work that goes with that, buying the compressor, buying the evaporator coil, the, comp- the condensing coil, the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, condensing pump, all that sort of thing. It's, it's a job, you know, so it's going to be several thousand dollars to do this. Um, but I would encourage you to make sure that you do it right and use the most energy efficient system possible so that it reduces your operating costs. And also find out from your local utility whether or not there are any rebates available to you for using energy efficient equipment. There very well may be. There's an awful lot of them uh, scattered about across the country. Okay, great. Thank you. All right, Gila. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. JC in Missouri's on the line with a water heater issue. Tell us what's going on. Hey, uh, I got a seven-year-old water heater, and uh, I have to change my heating element every six months, especially especially during the wintertime. It builds up a lot of calcium in it, and I was wondering if you know anything about that or, or a product that I can use to eliminate that problem? Well, if you have mineral salts that are building up a lot, you can use uh, a water softener. Um, there's one that doesn't require any salt, and it's called Easy Water. Okay. And it's an electronic uh, water softener that hooks up to your main water line, and you plug it in, and it basically forces the um, uh, the mineral deposits to not stick. It keeps them liquid or keeps them moving through the water so it doesn't stick to uh, water heaters and, and things of that nature. Um, that said, I don't necessarily think that mineral salt deposits are the reason that your electric coils are burning out every six months. Um, I wonder if uh, you've got a bad batch of coils. Are you buying them all at the same place? I wonder if there's any kind of fluctuation in the voltage of the water heater. There may be another cause for those to burn out so quickly because they certainly shouldn't be doing that. And if you had any kind of like mineral buildup, it's going to be in the bottom of the water heater, not on the coils. Oh, okay. Yes, I, I do have that white calcium. Um, every time I drain the water heater, I have to get um, uh, something to uh, like to scrape out the bottom of the uh, the water heater. Yes, you are right about that. Yes, you are right. So, I, if you use a water softener like Easy Water, I think that that will help. Uh, I'm going to try it. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Give us a call. Let us know what you are working on, whether it's a home repair or improvement or decor question. We're here for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, you know, as homeowners, we've always sort of had a love-hate relationship with our backyard sheds. I mean, everybody loves the extra storage space, but hate the way they look. And building one... Well, that's not as easy as it may seem. We're going to have options to help you tackle he sheds, she sheds, and even we sheds in today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com next. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. 
Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. The Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Whether it's minor repairs or major remodels, leave it to HomeAdvisor to do the work. Check out HomeAdvisor.com. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT, presented by HomeAdvisor, the fast and easy way to find the best home service pros in your area. You can read reviews and book appointments all online. Give us a call right now with your home improvement question at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. We'd love to help you take on that summer project. Maybe you're thinking ahead to fall. Whatever's on your to-do list, slide it over to ours by calling us right now at 888-666-3974. And now we've got Kimberly in College Station, Texas, with a leaky roof. Tell us what's going on. We bought this house um, many years, several years ago, and uh, we had an inspection of the house, and we didn't know that we had a problem with the roof leak. Uh, The inspectors didn't catch it because the people who owned the house first um, put some plastic over the leaking areas, so when it rained, it held water. And we didn't know that until like four or five months afterwards, after we bought the house. And then our insurance wouldn't cover anything, and we're just, we've got more leaks now because the house is getting older. And so instead of replacing the entire roof, we're looking for some suggestions on some kind of a seal and we don't even know, you know, there's all these things out there. We don't know what would be the best, if there's anything available, or what we should do. Okay, so you say that they covered this with plastic, and your home inspector never noticed that it was covered with plastic? I mean, duh. No, and it was it's on the up in the inside of the house. And also, they painted the ceiling. They had a five-gallon can of white ceiling paint in our garage, which so they kept it covered all the time, which nobody caught that. Yeah, I didn't think anything about it. Was this roof accessible, the area that was covered with plastic? Yes. And he walked around up there in it, and I guess it hadn't rained in a while, so those little sealed-off areas weren't full of water at the, at the time. Let me ask you this. Is this a sloped roof or a flat roof? Slope. And has it ever been covered with tar or anything like that? No. So the metal is still fresh in the sense that it's never been tarred over. No, it's not tarred. Well, have you had a roofer look at it? We have. We've had several. And, I mean, one uh, one told us that it would cost us like six or $7,000 to put a seal on it. And uh, now there's some of those things out there, you know, at the home improvement stores. We just okay, don't look. know if... Let me, let me make this real easy for you. 
you don't seal a metal roof, you repair a metal roof. Metal roofs can last 100 years. So if any roofer is trying to sell you something in a can that he's going to seal the roof with, that is a disaster waiting to happen for a lot of reasons. First of all, it's not the right way to fix it. Secondly, it actually does more harm than, than good, and here's why. Because when you seal a roof with tar, a metal roof with tar, water still gets in, it gets under the tar, and then it quickly rusts the roof away. If you have a roof that is cracked or is rusted out in a piece of, of area, then you repair those. You don't tar over them like you might, say, an asphalt roof. So that's what you need to do is to find a roofer who is a craftsman. And I realize that that's easier said than done. But if you find a roofer that's a craftsman that really has experience with metal roofs and doesn't just know how to tear one off, that doesn't count as experience with a metal roof, which unfortunately many will just like say, oh, we'll tear it off and do something else. Now, if you find somebody that really knows metal roofs, then that should be completely repairable. And I would not encourage you to put any kind of sealant on it, but to figure out where it's leaking and why it's leaking and fix it. You got to dig into it further, Kim. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, homeowners have always had sort of a love-hate relationship with backyard sheds. Now, we love the extra storage space, but we hate the way they look. And, you know, building one is really not as easy as it seems. And then maintaining the shed is a job that, God, it really feels like it just never ends. You're constantly doing (laughs) something, whether you're organizing it or fixing the outside. It's always something. But whether you're just a little tight on outside storage or maybe you want to build a she shed or a man cave, there are four important things that you've got to consider. We've got those tips in today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. That's right. So first off, let's talk about cost. The average cost to build a shed is between 800 and 4,000 bucks, depending on the materials you choose and whether you do it as a do-it-yourself project or you hire a pro. But whether you decide to hire a pro or not, there are several basic questions you need to ask yourself before you start shopping. For example, let's talk about size and style. Do you need something that's very simple and utilitarian, or do you want something that's very decorative? I mean, there are many different types of styles and sizes out there, so you want to evaluate your home and your property to determine the best style for your needs. Now, one trick to make the design fit in is to choose a style that matches your home's roof line. So think about it. If your home has a gable roof, building a shed with a barn-style roof is just not going to look right. It looks kind of hokey and out of place. Yeah. Now, if you've got a tight budget, think about designing a simple shed that gets the job done, but doesn't have a lot of frills. If you've got extra wiggle room, you can look for added features such as, you know, integrated shelving inside, decorative trim on the exterior, or you can even go all out man cave or she shed and add some electricity, heat, plumbing, the works. Now let's talk about permits. You want to make sure you check local building codes to determine if you need a permit to build that shed on your property. Now, there's really three types of permits that could apply. Building, mechanical, and zoning. So building is the structure, right? Mechanical, you would need that if you were going to add electricity to it or even plumbing. And zoning, that's the really important one because in some towns, they limit how many outbuildings you can build and how many square feet they can be and so on. And you want to make sure that you're not violating any of those codes. If you are, it would be terrible to find this out after you finished your project. And then all of a sudden you get some uh, building official telling you that you got to tear the whole darn thing down because you're outside of the building ordinance. Yeah. And believe me, it happens. So you've got to make sure you do your homework. 
And that's today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. With HomeAdvisor, you can get matched with top-rated home service pros in your area, compare prices, read verified reviews, and book appointments online, all for free. No matter the type of job, HomeAdvisor makes it fast and easy to hire the best local pros. Ben in Minnesota, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? I have a really old house, uh, kind of like what you guys have. And it's built in the early, probably early 1900s, don't know exactly, but it's got a rock foundation. And we're in uh, southwest Minnesota, so the ground does freeze pretty deep. And basically, the mortar between all of the rocks has pretty much turned to sand. Some places they've worked on retuck pointing it here and there, uh, but it's all kind of coming apart again. And some of the rocks, especially on the corners, are even tipping out a little bit. So I'm trying to figure out what I need to do to fix that if I need to dig down. I have access to equipment. I work in the HVAC business, so we have lots of equipment, and I do lots of stuff on my own. So just uh, see if you guys have any pointers for me. So the foundation is damaged, or you're just concerned about the rocks that are sticking out? Yeah, well, the foundation isn't particularly damaged. It's actually pretty solid. It's just that the mortar, since since it's so old, the mortar between all the rocks has deteriorated to the point where it's almost like sand. You know what I mean? And it just falls out from between the rocks. So what you need to do is simply to repoint or replace that mortar. Uh, pointing is the act of mixing up new mortar and pulling out the old stuff and then place, pressing new mortar into place. And the type of mortar that you use for repointing is a little stickier than the mortar that would have been done originally. Usually it has a bit more lime in it, which tends to make it a bit gooier, and it sticks to the to the old stuff pretty well. So what you do is you work one section at a time, you do remove all that loose stuff, and then you repoint it up with new mortar, and, and that's pretty much normal maintenance with a 1900 foundation. You do have to eventually repoint a foundation like that. It's not unusual. You know, you can slow it down with proper drainage and things like that. But essentially, that's what we would expect, okay? Right. Okay. Perfect. Hey, thanks so much for your time and the advice. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Ollie in South Carolina has a painting and design question. What can we do for you? I got panning. I don't know if it's lemon panning or not, but it's got little grooves in it all the way down, and it's darker than the other paneling, you know, itself, and I wanted to paint it. Do I have to do something to fill in them um, lines or cracks or whatever you want to call it? Now, the lines that you're talking about, those are like the beading. It's like a decorative feature. You know, it's supposed to be there. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Okay. You don't want to fill that in only because if you try to fill it in with joint compound or wood filler, it's just going to dry out, crack, detach. It's it's never going to last. So you kind of have to, you know, think about it. Can you embrace the look of the paneling as far as a core element, but paint it a different color and love that vertical lining? Or do you just hate that so much that you want to sort of, you know, try to remove it or cover it up? No, I'd like to leave it if it would make a, you know, it would make a nice design, you know. I personally like it. I think painted paneling can be very lovely in the right type of space with the right type of decor. And if you choose a good color. Now, the fact that you don't know whether it's wood or laminate, you know, that could be a little bit of a concern only because we want to make sure that you have good adhesion. So if the finish on the paneling right now is a little bit glossy or has a shine to it, You want to use a product like a liquid sander. 
And that's something that you just wipe on and it sort of abrades the surface. You know, first I'd give it a good cleaning. Then I'd lightly abrade it with a liquid sander. Then I would prime it and I would prime it well with a good quality primer. And then once that's done, I would paint it. And I really enjoy the look of a paneling that's in a glossy white. But I think if you go with a neutral color and try not to get crazy and just sort of let it be a neutral background with a decorative detail in it, I think it'll be great. I think it would look, I think it would look nice. <laughs> but thank you. You have a good day. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, now that we've been through a couple of months of heavy grilling, your gas grill could need an extreme makeover of its own. We're going to share some tips for a simple mid-season grill cleaning that's going to step up the sizzle after this. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call at 888 Money Pit, presented by Home Advisor, where it's easy to find top rated local home improvement pros for any project. Just go to homeadvisor.com. And we're standing by to take your calls, your questions right now at 888 666 3974. Joe in California is on the line and needs some help with some bar stool restoration. Tell us what they look like. Well, they have wooden arms and uh, they're padded, they're cloth, and then down at the bottom where the feet are at, they've got little wooden rails on them. And I need to redo them. I've got them clean and brushed down and everything. 
and somebody said I should use fire varnish on them, and I need to know what to get to put on them, on the wood. Is there any metal at all? It's all wood. No, everything else is padded. So everything else is fabric. The arms are wood. It's got one, two, three, four little metal legs on it at the bottom and halfway up, and they're wood. And I've got them ready to paint, but I don't know what to put on it. So you want to refinish the wood in a clear, with a clear finish or a painted finish? A clear finish? Clear finish. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you can use spar varnish on it. That's a fine product. What you're going to have to do, though, is lightly sand all of those wood surfaces. They're ready. They have already done that. You've done that. Okay. Well, and you've done the hard part if you've done all the sanding. But what I would tell you to do is to be very careful to get the varnish only on the wood and not, not on any of the padded or areas or the metal areas. Yeah, this is going to be about creative masking and taping things off and covering things with plastic and tape. And Yeah, because if you get it on there, you're going to have a problem. So you want to mask it very carefully to keep it away from the areas where you don't want the spar varnish to get. Yeah, okay. And you think that's the best to get? Because somebody else said, no, you don't want to use that. You want to use clear acrylic. Well, look, it's a personal preference. I mean, the varnish is, I believe spar varnish is oil-based, which is fine. And and it's actually, you'll find that the oil-based finishes are a little more durable in terms of abrasion resistance. And I think they give a better sheen as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. They take a little longer to dry, but they are a tougher finish. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the acrylic, um, you know, clear coats, as they call it, it's even available in a spray I've seen. I guess that really kind of depends on, you know, how raw the wood is, how much coverage you want. Again, masking is going to be the key here. And, you know, you really need to consider how much of a sheen you want. You know, think about that as well when you're making your selection. Because if you want something that's super shiny and almost has that wet look, really that oil-based varnish is the way to go. Well, now that we've been through a couple of months of heavy grilling, your gas grill is probably ready for a good cleaning. You know, that same charbroiling action that flavors ribs and chickens and steaks and burgers all summer long can really cause some problems if you don't stop occasionally and do a thorough cleaning just once in a while. Now, it's a pretty simple project, so we're going to walk you through it. The first thing you want to do is soak those grids in hot, soapy water and clean them with a nylon scrubbing pad. Now, if the grids are really encrusted, a little trick is to use oven cleaner on them. Of course, do that in a well-ventilated area and then rinse them clean. Next, if your grill has lava rock or ceramic briquettes, you want to take them out, clean them gently with a wire brush, and you want to replace any that are deteriorated. I've found in the past that sometimes when you take the brush of these, they literally come apart in your hands, and that's probably a good thing for you to know because if they're that deteriorated, they do need to be replaced. So give them a brush, replace any you need to, and then carefully check for cracks, splits, seams, or holes in those burners. If any are found, the burner should immediately be replaced. I actually did a total burner replacement on a grill that was probably about 10 years old uh, last summer, and I was surprised how easy it was to find the parts, and now it works perfectly. Yeah, now next, you've got to check all of those rubber hoses. You know, they're not meant to last forever, and in the winter months, things can be compromised. So you want to look for cracks and replace any that show the slightest sign of wear. Now, once the grill cleaning is complete, you're ready to put that grill back together and check all of those gas connections for any leaks that could have happened. So to safely do this, you want to mix a 50-50 solution of liquid dishwashing soap and water, and then brush that solution on all of the gas connections 
and watch for bubbles. Now, if any bubbles are seen, that means that connection is leaking and you've got to fix it before you fire that grill back up. Otherwise, it could be super dangerous. Yep. And once you're done, you are set for a summer of more sizzling steaks and burgers and everything else that makes barbecuing great. Nels in Oregon, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I've got a problem with flies. We have three heat pumps in the house, and uh, it takes in the air at the base of the windows. And every year we get flies that come up out of those return ducts. There's electronic filters down there, and I can't imagine where they're coming from. Or Well, they may be nesting in the house, and they're birthing themselves right into existence. And the reason they're probably hanging out around the return ducts is because that's where air gets drawn into the furnace, and they might, this might be part of that, that airflow. I can't really diagnose exactly what you need to do to get rid of those, uh, but I, I do know somebody that can. And if you go to the uh, Orkin website, you know, our show expert is a guy named Greg Bauman, who I've known for many years. He used to be uh, the expert for the National Pest Management Association. Now he's the director of training for Orkin. They have an expert section on their website. And if you post that question there and maybe even put a photo of the flies, I'm sure that you'll be able to get to the bottom of it very quickly. Great. Okie dokie. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. You know, guys, building codes exist to keep your family safe, but only if you or your contractor follow them. We've got updates on how you can avoid the three most commonly violated codes next. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The Money Fit is presented by Supercore, sold exclusively by WeShipFloors.com. Supercore is waterproof, click-lock, rigid core flooring, impact-resistant flooring, with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Order your free samples today at WeShipFloors.com. Where home solutions live, welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, presented by HomeAdvisor.com. You never have to worry about overpaying for a job again. Just use their true cost guide to see what others have paid for similar projects, and then you can get matched with top-rated pros, read reviews, get quotes, and book appointments, all for free at HomeAdvisor.com. And we're standing by to take your home improvement questions this Independence Weekend. If you are still celebrating, we are right there with you. So give us a call right now at one eight 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 Money Pit. Tim in Iowa has a wood finishing question. How can we help you? Uh, I've got an old house. It's got fur floors. Uh, I've I've acquired some uh, reclaim, reclaimed fur flooring to put in an addition uh, to try and match up the rest of the house. Question I have: This is going to be the first floor. That I re, you know, uh, redo in the house. I kind of wanted to, whatever I do, I want to do in the rest of the house. But the question I have is on the clear finish. Uh, I know a lot of different companies are making a water-based clear. Uh, and my second question is whether, you know, or as far as durability, whether whether something of that product would be durable. And then also, I have a couple of dogs that 
I'm worried about um, nail scratches um, as far as sheen goes. Uh, I know the shiner it is, the easier, the, the more scratches you can see. So I'm curious if there's anything out there that shines good and will resist scratches. Yeah, I mean, I have always felt that oil-based floor finishes are, are key. Anytime I've tried to use a water-based floor finish, it doesn't seem to have the durability. So I would definitely recommend an oil-based floor finish like a, a polyurethane. In terms of sheen, I think that semi-gloss is what you want, not high-gloss because that does show, not only does it show scratches, it shows a lot of dirt easier, but semi-gloss or satin is a nice color to have. So I think the answer is oil-based satin polyurethane is the solution. Is there any kind of a two-part epoxy one that's even more durable than the polyurethane? Or There are. There are two-part finishes like that. Uh, professional floor installers uh, do use those like when they do like sort of gym floors and that kind of stuff. But it's not sort of an over-the-counter purchase. You'd have to go to a, a flooring finish supply company. Well, yeah, and that's going to have to be applied in a manner where you're really thinking about ventilation and you know, protection of yourself, because that's a fairly caustic material. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Well, building codes help make sure that the work that's done to your house is safe, but the system only works if you follow it. I had an unusual experience not too long ago when I received a letter from my local building department telling me that an oil tank I had removed, I had done so without having a permit on it. And I thought, wow, that's really odd. How could I possibly have taken an entire oil tank out without a permit? The funny thing about this is not only did I have a permit, but I did this as part of a live television shoot for the local news station. Right. And the building inspector was on the show with me inspecting it. <laughs> I had proof. <laughs> but somehow they thought I did it without a permit. I don't know what happened to their records. But I very nicely explained that to them, and they very sheepishly said, we're sorry. <laughs> but, you know, the point is, if you're going to do some of these things, you got to have a permit. It's there for a reason because these building inspectors will help make sure that the work done is done safe. It maintains the value in your home and make sure that nothing is going to like catch fire or get yourself in trouble later on. And you know, there are a number of common mistakes that are made with building codes. I thought this might be a good time to, uh, to sort those out. Yeah, you know, there are actually three common residential codes that, you know, tend to be frequently overlooked. Now, the first one involves handrails that are mounted on a wall. These kind of handrails must have what's called a return on them. Now, a return is a piece at the end of the rail that turns and goes back to the wall. It's going to keep things like your T-shirt sleeves and purse handles from getting caught on the handrail and then potentially causing you to fall down. And speaking of handrails, you know, open handrails are no longer allowed. You do need to have spindles or balusters, and they need to be spaced no more than six inches apart. Now, another commonly missed building code has to do with smoke alarms. For existing homes, you need to have one on every level of your house and outside each bedroom. Plus, you got to make sure they all work. Now, if you're building a new house, there's a new code that requires that you have a smoke alarm in every bedroom as well. And those need to be hardwired with a battery backup and they have to be interconnected. Now, what that means is if one goes off, they all go off, which is important. 
Now, here's a last one that tends to be violated a lot, especially if you live in an older home. It tends to be missing or have defective ground fault circuit interrupters. This is a problem, guys. Now, a ground fault circuit interrupter, or GFCI, is going to cut power to a circuit if it detects a diversion of current to a ground, which is you if you're getting a shock. Now, GFCI protection is required for outlets in the kitchen, bathroom, garage, and for all of your outdoor circuits. Basically, if there's a chance it could be in contact with water, you've got to have the GFCI. It's got a test button built in, which should be tested monthly. And if you don't have any GFCIs, it is a wise safety improvement to add them. You know, my friend of mine, um, Liz, who you've met, Tom, is doing an improvement on her house and they're doing a big renovation. It's an old house that belonged to the grandmother. And during the process, they've discovered that the wiring is so old and it was going to be an additional expense. And I could not tell them enough. I'm like, this is not where you shortchange things. It's an old house. You're investing in it. Do it right. So you got to do it. The electrical system is super important. Yeah. And by the way, there's another type of electrical outlet now or or circuit breaker called an arc fault detector. And that not only protects against shocks, but also protects you if one of the wires starts to short or arc that could cause a fire. So take advantage of this new technology and be safe rather than sorry. Still ahead, can flickering lights be a sign that you have a dangerous electrical system? The answer is, it depends. You live in a body pit. The Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Whether it's minor repairs or major remodels, leave it to HomeAdvisor to do the work. Check out HomeAdvisor.com. Where home solutions live, welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone, give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Never worry about overpaying for a job. Just use HomeAdvisor's True Cost Guide to see what others paid for similar projects. That's all for free at HomeAdvisor.com. And remember, you can always post your question in the Money Pits community section, and we jump into those every hour on the show. Now, I've got one here from Kevin in New York who writes, My home was built in 1969, and the upstairs lights sometimes flicker when I first turn them on. It stops after a few seconds, but I'm concerned. Should I be? Well, let's talk about that, Kevin, because why first do lights flicker? The reason they flicker is because the electrical circuit, even though the switch is on, is going off and on and off and on and off and on. Now, if that's not happening at the switch, where is it happening? Well, it could be happening inside the switch, inside the connection, inside the wiring, because there is a short somewhere. So, yes, you should be concerned. It's potentially dangerous. Now, there's one other factor, though, that you should consider. Because you told us that your house was built in 1969, I happen to know because I've got, a, you know, I don't remember what I had for dinner, but I had this encyclopedic knowledge of home improvement. <laughs> and I can tell you that from 1965 through about 1972, there was a wide amount of aluminum wiring done in this country, huge amount for branch circuits. That's like lights and outlets and switches, right? The smaller wires. And the aluminum wiring, the reason it's not done anymore because it turned out that it had such a high expansion and contraction rate that the connections would loosen, then they would arc and spark and cause fires. So this is definitely a concern with your house. You need to get a pro to check it out quick. 
All right. Next up, we've got a post here from Kate. Now, Kate writes, my refrigerator isn't working well, and I'm wondering if I should call in a repairman to have the refrigerator repaired or just start over with a new refrigerator. It's only a few years old, and I've been happy with it up to now, but it's also out of warranty at this point. Uh, You know, that's a really tough spot to be in because, let's face it, having somebody come to your home to make a repair like that is expensive, and the cost of the appliances is going down. I mean, if we're talking about a super high-end refrigerator here, then it's probably worth it. But if it's just like, say, a refrigerator that's, you know, I don't know, six or seven or eight years old, and maybe it would cost well under $1,000 to replace it, I'd be tempted to just replace it because usually if you call a repairman out, they got to come. There's a charge for that first visit, right? Diagnose what's going on. Then they got to order parts and they got to come back another time and put those parts in. So by the time you're done, it's unlikely that you'll have even a basic repair that costs you less than three or four hundred bucks. So personally, I feel like you're better off replacing it. Now, we have actually a chart that we developed to help sort out these possibilities on moneypit.com. Just Google repair versus replace, and it takes into consideration the age of the appliance, the amount of the potential repair, and the cost to replace it, and then kind of gives you a go-no-go gauge in terms of whether or not you should repair it or replace it. But you're really trying to compare you know, the age and the risk of future failure with the cost of a new one or the cost of uh, just staying kind of where you are. It's all of these different factors kind of balanced together to help you out. Yeah, you know, Kate, I had a similar problem with my fridge, which was a lot older than yours, about 14 years. And I just decided to go buy a new one. And I love it. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. We hope that we've granted you some independence from your home improvement projects on this Independence Day weekend. If you've got questions, though, remember that we never take the day off. We're always available 24-7 at 1-888-MONEYPIT. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 